Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and and it's got to be on us to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. This is our opportunity. Our time is, is now. Our window is now. 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 Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. I'm your host, Ted Ramey, and I am still absolutely buzzing off of everything we saw last night at the tank. The Sharks completing the greatest comeback in franchise postseason history. I'm going to call it the greatest comeback overall in franchise history, and it's arguably one of the greatest comebacks in Bay Area sports history. I, You know, that's the game that I am going to be chasing for the rest of my life. That's the game I'm going to be talking about for the rest of my life. I'll be talking about that forever. It was simply amazing. It was a game for the ages. The Sharks, down 3 to nothing, mounted a comeback that was as improbable as it was unlikely. Four power play goals after a major on a cross-check that knocked Joe Pavelski out of the game. And before I go any further... I just want to send my best thoughts towards Joe Pavelski and his family. You know, they didn't really give an update on his condition after the game. We heard that he was still at the stadium and that he was, you know, quote-unquote doing all right. But, you know, with hockey, they're never going to tell you the full story. But, you know, just to see him go down, the optics of him not moving down on the ice with blood on the ice and not a small amount of blood either, it was terrifying. And it was a visceral scene and watching that play out in front of me was a very, very scary moment. But it was also the moment that reinvigorated the Sharks and put them on a five-minute power play in which they scored four goals. By the way, if y'all can't tell, I'm dealing with laryngitis. So uh, I apologize for the overall quality of my voice. And I hope this will stick with me here as there's so much I want to talk about. Um, let's start off with the day and the comments the clown comments about Pete DeBoer made by Gerard Gallant. I really don't want to talk about that, but I'm, I think I'm going to have to a little bit because, uh, you know, for that clown to say that in the paper yesterday, it's not right. There might have been two incidents that happened, and I'll tell you both of the incidents. Logan Couture, I thought there was an embellishment, so I'm yelling at the referee. I'm not lo- yelling at Logan Couture. Hold up. Embellishment? He got his teeth knocked out. Okay, continue. The other one, game two, Evander Kane's yelling at Ryan Reed between the bench. And Evander yells at me. He said, hey, coach, when are you going to send your big guy out in the ice and play him more than four minutes? And I said, he's played ten minutes every game, and he's going to play a lot more. So them are the two times. If I'm going to be a chirper and a loudmouth, I think people know me as a coach and respect me as a coach. And if he's going to yap about that, that's a little, a little unclassy for me. Yeah, it's apparently a little unclassy for Gerard Gallant, but, uh, well... 
He can cry about it all through his long, long offseason, which has now officially begun. But I'm sorry. If you're a coach who has watched their 3-1 lead evaporate to a series that's tied at three, you stay above the fray. You just act like nothing is, you just say it's no big deal. And you move on to the next game and you just act like you're in control, like you're in power, like you're just waiting to finish things off. Instead, Gerard Gallant, to me, and I think maybe his players and other people out there, looked like he was seriously concerned and trying to galvanize his team and trying to find some moment that his team could rally around. And I guess you could say it worked for a while as they were up 3 nothing in this one before everything changed, but that's not the way it went down. And forever, he's now going to be a coach that's going to be associated with these rather inflammatory comments towards Pete DeBoer the day before his team's biggest loss of the year and a loss that he later said hurt worse than losing in the Stanley Cup final the year before. So, you know, I think it's a poor choice for Gerard Gallant to go out there and try and go after Pete DeBoer. Again, in almost all walks of life, Just act above the fray. It'll pay dividends. But after those comments were made, I was fired up. I admit, I I didn't like it one bit. I am uh, defensive of our coach. I like Pete DeBoer a lot, and I did not like Gerard Gallant calling him a clown. I felt it was uncalled for. DeBoer may have pointed out the fact that Gallant was chirping, but it was nothing that everyone hadn't already seen that we had been talking about here on this show, that we've been talking about on the TV broadcasts, on the coverage on NBC Sports California, on the Facebook Lives and other social media coverage. Everybody had seen it through that point of the series. And listen, we're not stupid. We know what he's doing. He's trying to talk it up, and that's his angle. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't try to deny it when somebody calls you out on it. And again, I was fired up at this point. I thought, okay, the Sharks, they've been given bulletin board material. This guy has just insulted their coach. It's the wrong move to make. But then we get into the game and, you know, the Sharks fail on their first two power plays in the first five minutes of the game. They don't put a goal in the back of the net. Vegas scores one thereafter. They score one in the second. They score one in the third. And all I could think of was, just how angry I was that a Vegas team that at this point I dislike with a great passion was going to beat us and was going to knock us out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs because I I did feel that Tomas Hurdle was correct, that the Sharks were the better team, that they were going to be able to get past this team and get into the second round. And I was, you know, going through all these, you know, just mental gymnastics about how, you know, the Sharks really didn't get a fair shake because Eric Carlson wasn't even 100% healthy when the series started. And then, of course, in my head, I was going back to the goalie interference call about how that was absolute, you know, just the wrong call and how that was a defining moment in the series that never was in favor of the San Jose Sharks because of a bad call and a bad penalty. And I was I was sad and I was angry and I was doing all those things you do when you're a sports fan and your team is about to be eliminated from the postseason. And, you know, I, I felt in my mind there was still a chance for a miracle, but I was also starting my own grieving process. And I was trying to, you know, not find justification, but just try and figure it all out in my head. And I was trying to think about how it happened this time and how it could be prevented from happening next time. And I was a little ahead of myself because then UAV can come in and hit the hard cross check to Pavelski that knocked him down. And, you know, he went head first into the ice. And like I said, there was the scary moment of an emotionless Joe Pavelski on the ice after hitting his head and there was blood on the ice, and it was a very, very scary moment. And he was down, and Jumbo comes out there, and the guys are surrounding him, and they're calling for the trainers to come out 
It's a very rare scene in not just professional sports, but specifically in hockey. When you see a guy like Jumbo or when you see hockey players show that type of genuine concern because these are the toughest guys on the planet. These are the guys that don't ever, there's no diving, there's no flopping, there's no embellishment with injury of this type of nature. When you see these guys shaken up and genuinely concerned for their teammate, it's time for you to be concerned as well. And so that happened and You know, at that point, I'm not thinking about what type of a penalty is going to be assessed. I am and still am thinking, oh, my God, I hope Joe Pavelski is all right, because this is a very, very ugly and scary moment right now. And a potentially bad day just got a whole lot worse. You think head injuries now, you don't know what sort of the ramifications that you're going to talk about when it comes to their career moving forward. And I say that with 100 percent accuracy. You just don't know. So again, while we are celebrating the San Jose Sharks' huge win, let's all remember to keep Joe Pavelski in our thoughts and hope that he's back on the ice sooner rather than later, but also just hope that he is 100% healthy. But the five-minute major, the five-minute-long power play started one of the most remarkable moments in San Jose Sharks' history. Here is a major opportunity now for the Sharks. They've got a five-minute major power play. They're down 3-0. They can keep scoring goals on the power play. They need to do it quickly. LeBanc, cross ice, Couture, shot, star! Power play goal for Logan Couture at a most critical moment. Nine minutes, 20 seconds of the third period. Couture gets the Sharks on the board. And the power play will continue, making the score 3-1 Vegas. The face-off, those are 50-50 face-off battles. LeBanc ahead, now Hurdle. Bormeyer and LeBanc. LeBanc will bump it back. Eric Carlson shoots it. Sharks calm down. Timo Meyer has it. Crowd urging him on. Lead pass LeBanc on the right. He's across the line. Behind the back pass to Burns. Cross ice play. Here's Couture. Winds up, shoots. He scores! An incredible comeback for Sharks hockey. And Logan Couture is mobbed by his teammates. He skated all the way to the Sharks bench to celebrate with everybody. The Sharks have tied game seven, 3-3, with a magnificent power play explosion in the third period. And back to Couture, the tip at the side. Meyer tried to relay it out front. Taken away by Vegas for a moment, but now back to Kevin LeBanc at the point. LeBanc skates ahead, shoots.
Yeah, that's right, Randy. None of us had ever seen anything like that in our lives before either, and I wasn't ready to see what Vegas was up to next. Stasty. He'll get it down for Stone. Stone back in front. They score. They score. Jonathan Marchessault has tied the game with 47 seconds left. So this baby was going overtime, and why not an unlikely hero for the Sharks? Behind the net, in the trapezoid. Wilkin Ryan to Sorensen. It's upended there by Stone. No penalty's going to get called. Eric Carlson to Thornton across the line. Thornton being checked by Theodore. Puck came out, but Eric Carlson intercepts. Moves across the line, lead. Barkley Goodrow gets around the defense, shoots. He scores! Barkley Goodrow is the hero for the Sharks in overtime in Game 7. The Sharks were down by three goals. They came back, they took the lead, and then after Vegas tied it, Barkley Goodrow is the big man on campus. Sharks win 5-4, and they win the series in 7. And going back through that four-goal stretch in particularly on the five-minute power play, I just remember with the first goal, it was like, good, get one. And then the second goal, I thought to myself, hey, you know, maybe there's a chance here. Then they scored the third goal, and literally I was shaking from head to toe, and I couldn't believe what I was actually seeing. It was one of those moments you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And then with the fourth one, I, I just I knew right then. I said, the Sharks are winning this game. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Sharks are going to win this game. And lo and behold, they did. But just simply one of those all-time sports moments. And again, like I said to start off this show, that's the game I'm going to be talking about for the rest of my life. And I'm sitting here with color commentator on the TV and radio broadcast, the one and only Brett Hedekin. Hedy, man, I, like I was just saying before we grabbed the mic, I'm going to spend the rest of my life chasing the high that I got off of what we just saw. And I'll, I'll, I'll never see anything like that in person again. I, I've been around this game obviously my whole life and been in a lot of game sevens and, uh, been a lot of hockey games. Randy Hahn, uh, after the game, both him and I are looking at each other. We've never seen anything like that. In his 2,000 games he's called, never seen anything like it. What we saw last night was something that the San Jose Sharks continued to fight. And they obviously got the call with the five-minute major to Cody Eakin. And when you get the five-minute major, you can score as many goals as you can and within the five minutes. Uh, and that's exactly what the Sharks ended up doing, scoring yeah. four consecutive goals in a short amount of time to take the lead. And I just, again, a head shaker here throughout the game. Did, did you agree that it was a major? Because there is a lot of talk on social media that people say it was not. Now, for my opinion and what I saw, and I haven't seen that many replays of it, and you know, just what happened to Pavs, I thought it was. But, I mean, were you surprised at the call? Or I am a little surprised at the call because when you see the replay and you – we all have the ability during the course of the game and after the call is made is to take a look at it and second-guess it. He was cross-checked from Cody Eakin off the face-off. It was a face-off win. And a lot of times centermen do that to each other. Mm-hmm. After they lose a draw, they'll give the, the guy a shot. And what happened is Cody Eakin caught him high. Uh, he fell backwards. And as he was going back, Stasny ran into him as well. He couldn't protect himself. And his head went down and hit the ice and obviously cut, was bleeding, was knocked out unconscious, it looked like. Terrible play that we obviously all hope that Joe Pavelski's okay. But from the official's point of view from down there, it could have easily looked like a five-minute major that he was cross-checked. And obviously he was bleeding from his head. So those two things matched up and the call was made. 
Now, I've heard from Jamie Baker before talking about how he they used to wait for Owen Nolan to get pissed off and, and you know, to kind of change the course of a game. Is that what happened on the ice, in your opinion? Did that team collectively say, hell no, we're coming right back, that we're going to win this now for our captain? Well, when you see Joe Thornton and you see Tomas Hurdle and you see Evander Kane holding Joe Thornton's head, or Joe Pavelski's head, as they go off the ice um, with the towel on the head, head of Joe Pavelski, their captain, that was something that triggered something within the team because obviously Logan Couture got the scoring started, and you could see he had one finger pointing on his hand like that's just one down, and we're going to get come back in this hockey game, and we're going to continue to push. And that's exactly what the power play did. And they obviously they went nuts scoring four goals, and it was just a... It was a flurry. It was a firestorm. It was, again, one of those moments that I will be talking about for the rest of my life. When it was actively happening, when they scored one and then two, and then you had to wait, I think, about two minutes and 30 seconds for the third, and then the fourth immediately right after that, what was going through your head? Did you expect to see the avalanche of goals like that? And I guess after the second came, did you start thinking to yourself, well, hold on a second, something is happening here? Well, funny how before the... Uh, the, the power play began for the five minutes. Randy Hahn pulled out a sheet of paper that he's kept for many years when Bob Airy was the captain of the San Jose Sharks. And he had the 16 kind of attributes of Stanley Cup performance and how you need to have these 16 things to think about to win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And one of those 16, because 16 is the 16 wins it takes to win the Stanley Cup. So Bob Airy came up with 16 attributes to win. One of those attributes was... A five, you're never out of the game. A five-minute power play, a match penalty, can create that five-minute, and you can score as many because you're ne- so you're never out of it. That was what we both looked at when that penalty was called, and lo and behold, that is exactly what we saw happen tonight. Again, we've got Brett Hedekin here on Morning Tide. We're talking about the Sharks' huge 5-4 overtime win. Let's take it back to earlier today where Gerard Gallant um, makes the clown commentary with regards to Pete DeBoer. What was your reaction to that? Because for me, I'm thinking, if I have watched my team's 3-1 lead go to 3-3 and now I'm facing a Game 7 on road ice, I would rather stay above the fray. And he went right into it. That struck me as a rattled coach. Now, it was looking like a great play when they're up 3 nothing, and then everything changed, obviously. But what was your reaction when the clown comment came out earlier today? I, I was shocked. I was like you. He didn't need to go after Pete DeBoer. And I think, you know, Pete DeBoer is a smart man. I mean, he was looking at some way, some advantage. And if that was the advantage he was looking to do on Gerard Gallant, the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, it worked because he came out in his press conference and called him a clown after, uh, you know, Pete DeBoer was referencing the fact that he's talking to his players and he's referencing the Sharks players. Which he has been. It, and let's not it, deny that. It sure seemed like it from, <laughs> from our point of view and Jamie Baker's point of view from ice level. Um, obviously trying to talk to the officials as well, making his you know, displeasure at times throughout the course of this series uh, heard by the officials. So a lot of chatter from him. And I think that's all of that combined. Pete DeBoer made a comment before or after the game the other night and in between games. And Gerard Glant came right back in that press conference. Again, could have stayed above the fray, but he didn't. So it did look like what Pete DeBoer tried to do made an impact. And so... I guess the juxtaposition of that with what did you see from Gerard Gallant 
after the game tonight. You were at the post-game presser. I haven't seen it yet. I've been up here in the rafters, and I'm going to watch it with, uh, with Brett Hedekin's eyes now. What was your reaction? Well, they asked him, you know, what was said to him after the penalty that was called uh, on Cody Eakin. And he just said it, the official came over and said it was a cross-check to the head. And Gerard Glant obviously said that it was not. And it was clear to him and, and to the, the coaches on the, on, the, on the bench that said that, you know, it wasn't a penalty or at least it shouldn't have been a five-minute major. But the penalty was called, unfortunately, for them. And in terms of his, how he conducted himself in the, in the, in the presser, was he complimentary to the Sharks? Was it um, sour grapes? What was your impression of him during the presser? I think he was, he was poised this time around. I okay. think he, he, did a, he did a decent job and I, I know that he talked about Pavelski and hoping that he was okay. Um, doesn't, nobody wants to see a player get hurt like that. Uh, but again, was really emotional in some ways because he knew that his team, he thought, deserved to move on to the second round and to be playing Obviously, in, in, in the next round, and unfortunately tonight, what we saw is the Sharks take advantage of an opportunity. An opportunity was there, and the power play came out and just executed. I guess one of the things that you can look at is this season or this series being evened out by calls because Sharks fans since game two have been crying foul about the goalie interference call that I still take great umbrage with. And I think that the Sharks go up 4-3 in game two changes the entire dynamic. Now, not to make myself sound like some soothsayer, but I believe this was going to go seven from the start. I thought the Sharks win two at home, Vegas takes two at home, and then one, one, and one with Sharks home ice taking game seven. That wasn't how it worked out because that, you know, the Sharks never got the 4-3 lead. It disappeared, and then Vegas got split the series here, go back and take both at home. The Sharks got potentially that beneficial call tonight that obviously changed everything in the course of this game. Is that, is that just hockey? Is that just sports? Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I agree with you. I mean, if you, you look at what the Sharks did in Game 1, they come out and they get a win. They played terrific mm-hmm. hockey game. Game 2, they give the Vegas Golden Knights a 3 nothing lead in the first period. But just like we saw tonight, this team can score goals in a hurry. Mm-hmm. They tie the game in the same period. Yeah. Starting the second period, it was a Brent Burns shot with Logan Couture creating some traffic in front. And Marc-Andre Fleury engaged with Logan Couture, and Couture was two feet outside the crease. Yeah. That's free ice to, to grab. They call the penalty on Logan Couture for goalie interference, and on that power play, Mark Stone scores the winning goal. Now, if it, it goes from a 4-3 lead for San Jose Sharks to now a 4-3 lead for the Vegas Golden Knights, they go on to win game two. Now, you could easily say that it could have been a 2-0 lead for the Sharks going into Vegas, yep. in control of the series, still have home ice. Well, they won game five and six. They could have easily won the series already in game six. So tonight... They got the call on their side, and they took advantage of it. So I, I think this is sports. I think this is playoff hockey. You're going to get calls, and sometimes you're not. And it's a matter of how you handle it, how you recover from it, is what makes a difference. Is this the type of win that propels a team now to a conference final or a cup final appearance? Well, all I can say is I've been associated with a very physical series like this. It takes me back to 1994. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, the team I was playing on against the Calgary Flames. We win in a triple overtime, but it was a physical war like we saw in this series. Maybe one of the most physical series I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. here against the Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. The biggest question is, is can they recover? Are, how banged up are they? They've got Donskoy out. You've got Pavelski now. 
who knows if he yeah. can come back and recover from this. Um, you know, you've had lots of minutes played from a guy like Brent Burns, played way too much. Finally tonight, Yoakam Ryan played a little bit in the overtime. He hardly played at all in the last three games, but he was suited up as their sixth defenseman. So can the Sharks recover? But can they propel themselves? Yes, they're battle-tested, and that's what I saw in 94. That catapulted yeah. us all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Rangers. But I will say, this has made the Sharks as battle-tested as you'll ever be. Well, you know, in Game 6, when you go into double overtime, I couldn't help but think back to 08, I believe it was, the quadruple overtime loss to Dallas. And it didn't end like that for the Sharks in Vegas. They win Game 6 in double overtime. And I'm thinking, boy, that's that's a good thing to see. You go into overtime here tonight, and even though Martin Jones had let in that fourth goal, the one that tied it up when they were on the doorstep of finishing it in regulation, I still had that feeling of, Jones isn't going to let one in. And it's strange how when you watch sports, sometimes you can kind of get that feeling when you're just saying to yourself, I don't think Jones is going to let one in here. I think the Sharks are going to do this. But it's weird because I haven't always had that perception. But there is, like you alluded to, the battle-tested nature. It feels a little different right now. Now, that my perception could change in a matter of games, obviously, in round two. But something just does feel a little bit different right now. I mean, you go back to game four where... Martin Jones let in a couple of goals early in that game. And game three, he let in a goal in the first minute of all three periods. His confidence was shaken. Everybody in the NHL, around the NHL and hockey world, was saying there's no way Pete DeBoer is coming back with Martin Jones in game five. But he didn't, Martin, he, uh, Pete DeBoer didn't even wait for the game day to say Martin Jones is my starter. The day before, he already said that he's going back with Jones. To me, that said so much that a guy, a coach, believes in you that much to know that you can come back and recover. And what does he do? Comes out with a terrific Game 5, puts up a 58-save performance (laughs) in Game 6, and comes up with all the right saves here, not only in overtime, but throughout the course of this game that at least kept it tied there uh, in overtime. And finally, uh, obviously, an Eric Carlson pass to Barkley Goodrow ends it against against Fleury in overtime. Oh, it was fantastic. And I think with Jones tonight, I can... Two, maybe even three of the the four goals. I'm really not going to give him that much, you know, over. I, you know, the, especially two of them, because one was a deflection, the other one could have been a high stick call. Um, the other two, you know, listen, that Vegas Knights team is fantastic. They're yeah. going to score. So, you know, I think that he's looking good and probably has more of a head full of steam going into this next series. Um, what are your thoughts now on this next series for the Sharks? Is it just a matter of them recovering? Do you even start looking too far into it? Is it just a matter of you know, get healthy as you can before game one? Yes, get healthy as you can before game one. Uh, you know, their coaching staff has already been preparing for Colorado that we've known for a couple of days. All these teams already start preparing for the next opponent. Um, obviously, you're, the, the main coaching staff, I'm talking about their video coaches, mm-hmm. but they're ready. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna, they've done well against uh, Colorado this season. The one thing that they do have is, is Nathan McKinnon. I mean, this guy's a game changer. Yeah. And San Jose Shark fans are going to see one of the greatest players in the, in the National Hockey League and in the world right now. And Nathan McKinnon played, basically took over the series against Calgary to win that series. Uh, but it's not going to be nearly as physical, I don't think, as this Golden Knights series. So let's see if the speed of Colorado will make a difference, or let's see if the, the depth and the talent of the Sharks can make a difference in this round two. You bring up speed, and again, we've got Brett, Brett Hedekin here on Morning Tide. Eric Carlson looked as fast as he has throughout this entire series, and really since dating back to maybe before the All-Star game, 
he looked good out there tonight. I think you can still see some issues with his timing, still getting a little bit of that rust off. But in terms of health and his physical presence out there, there were times tonight where I thought to myself, wow, that looks like the guy that we saw earlier in the in the year. And obviously he's coming back from the two groin injuries. What did you think about him tonight? And then is he still in the process of getting healthier? Yeah, well, during the, the middle third of the year, uh, through about a 30-game stretch, Sharks won 22 games in that 30-game stretch. Eric Carlson had a 14-game consecutive game streak with assist on every one of those Mm -hmm. games. And you saw something from a guy that's an elite player that can play at a level that you don't see many players in the world that can get to. I thought in Game 5 I saw flashes of it. Game 6 we saw flashes. And tonight we see the play, obviously, that he made for the overtime winner. But I agree with you. I'm starting to see some of the things that we've been so accustomed to seeing when Eric Carlson's playing his best. Hopefully he his body has gotten healthy enough now where he can really take off now in round two. So I, I guess the final question I'll ask for you is how many hours now for you will it take for you to be able to get to sleep tonight? Because <laughs> I, I don't I have to be at a flight at SFO at 6 a.m. So I don't know if I'll be able to actually get to sleep. But how many hours w- will it take you to come down from this? Well, if I was a player, it would probably take me several hours, maybe the wee hours <laughs> of the morning. But uh, for me, I am. In a, it'll take some time to uh, to fully come down from this one. Again, never seen anything like this, and what a Epic finish here in San Jose for the Sharks to advance to round two. Brett, thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate your time and obviously the work you do on the TV and radio broadcast. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, we'll look forward to talking again in round two. Thank you so much. Go Sharks. Again, a big thanks to color commentator for the Sharks TV and radio broadcast, Brett Hedekin. Now let's get into some of the post-game sounds, starting out first with Logan Couture. And because my voice is fading, I'm also going to give you guys the longer versions of these pressers. Cats play 20 years, orders you around like that, bosses you around. You got to go do it, so we got four. Have you ever been part of a game like that where you're no. down three goals? No, no. four in a five-minute span, and especially in a moment like that? No, no, I probably never will again. I mean, that's a once-in-a-lifetime in a game, I think. I mean, you know, knock on wood, I don't think my heart can, can take another one like that. That was up and down, and... And by the by, the ten minute mark of the overtime, there was just nothing left. I think for a lot of us, after a double overtime game, um, about ten seconds into each shift, you're you're running on, on fumes. So, um, hell of a play by Kitty to win it, man! Holy, what a, what a what a game! What do you think about the leadership? Obviously? Yeah, I mean, Tommy Harrell was absolutely an absolute beast this series. Beast. He he was spectacular. He came up with some big-time goals, and, and Jumbo was a vocal leader. Our back-end guys played a lot of minutes, and they played hard minutes and um, played well. So some big-time goals by, by us. Logan, what do you think was not working on those first four parts? Uh, tough timing. Man, I don't know. I think we had some good luck. We did into the zone a few times, but, I mean... We scored four power play goals tonight, so. When you, yeah, when I know. You, when you go out there on that, in that situation, yeah. and, like, you scored the first one, yeah. like, can you just feel it? Like, we, we're rolling. Like, yeah, I mean, the message the message was, that's, that's one, let's go. We'll get us right back out there. And um, they the other unit went out. They had a good, long um, shift there, I think. Good, some good looks, and then we got two, we got three, and then Banker with a great play to get the fourth one. Are they still tie it? And yeah. you guys come in here, and you still go sag uh, yeah I mean that was tough there's yeah. no there's no lying in saying that that wasn't a difficult one to take but uh, I mean we we did sag a little bit on the bench that's natural um, within the last 40 seconds but it was good that we had the overtime to kind of regroup and, and uh, just enjoy it I mean 
first game seven overtime I've ever played in. Uh, this place was absolutely buzzing, and uh, the fans gave us that extra energy. Have you seen Pat? Like, yeah, I've seen him. You, like, I, I, I'm not good for injury news. Like, is he yeah, okay? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, he's still here, and uh, I guess that's all I really want to say. So, uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's not doing great, if that's can, what you're asking. Can, can you say, do you have a moment as a team with him? Uh, yeah, right, right after we came and we saw him, um, you know, and he... It was good to see him, that's all. And we also got to hear from the man who netted the game winner, Barkley Goodrill. Yeah, to be honest, I can't really remember what just happened. It was uh, a pretty surreal moment. Uh, yeah, definitely the uh, biggest, uh, biggest goal of my career, obviously. Take us through the emotions of the game when Pavelski went down and then the penalty. Yeah, obviously, uh, he's, he's our captain. He uh, he drives us here, so, uh, you know, the power play... Uh, you know, unbelievable job. They, you know, four goals. So it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. That was like your second effort. shift of overtime, right? It was. Yeah. 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 I mean, legs were fresh. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you come off and you're, you know, you're, you're energized and ready to get to the net. I guess. Right. Yeah. I think uh, you know our line. Uh, me personally had a, a tough game, uh, you know, throughout uh, regulation, but uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely nice to get the get the winner there. I mean, it's it's game seven of the playoffs. It's uh, you know, there's a lot on the line. It's uh, you know, it's 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 not hard to stay focused. You know, you're you're right in the game. You're just ready uh, if your number's called. How did you guys get so energized at that point? I mean, you guys look like you're you know almost left for dead. It seems when you're down three nothing in that situation, right? I think it's uh, it's just the resiliency we've shown all year. We've uh, you know down three one in the series, down three nothing in this game. It's uh, there's lots of character here. It starts very free from the leaders, so I think uh, you know we're never we're never out of it, and uh, it was a huge comeback. It's like down your two career playoff goals be both be game winners. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice, I guess. Yeah, Goody was trying to keep it cool there, but he was obviously pretty darn excited. Let's hear from the head coach of the Sharks. Pete DeBoer. You know, how is the group able to recover and score four goals like that after what had to be an emotional situation? Yeah. Well, a scary situation. You see, you know, your captain down, you know, motionless on the ice. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think uh, the the group rallied, you know. Joe, Joe Thornton spoke up, Logan Couture, you know. Uh, I think they... they they saw, uh, you know, a guy that uh, they love and respect in, in some distress and, uh, you know, wanted to do what they could to help the situation, which was, you know, try and get some goals and get us back in the game. And they did that. And, you know, it's a special group that way. They, uh, we've rallied like that all year, you know, at different points. Even early in the series here, we were down 3 nothing. They, uh, people... People have uh, written them off or down and out, down 3 nothing in games, down 3-1 in the series, and, you know, there's a lot of belief in there. Middle uh, left. Coach Jason Dumas, Crown 4 Sports. Have you ever been a part of a game like this considering the stakes and just the roller coaster of emotions from even down 3-1 in the yeah. series to down 3 nothing in the game to tying it, taking the lead, then them tying it again, and then that overtime period? Yeah. No, that's the craziest game I've ever I've ever seen that was uh, wild you know I think they'll be talking about that one for a long time here and the people that were in the building I think it was extra special because it was electric 
Uh, what can you say about uh, Barkley Goodrow? Uh, he didn't play a lot in the OT, but then <clears throat> I think believe in his second shift of OT, he scores yeah. the game-winning goal. Yeah, again, I, I think that, that that's a testament to our group. He didn't play a lot tonight. I th- thought uh, his line had kind of a tough start. Start they got scored on a couple times early and. Then we were playing from behind, and we shortened the bench, and he, he was sitting there for a while. And, uh, you know, we started to fatigue as the overtime went on because of the short bench with Pavelski out. And, uh, you know, and, and we went back to him. And, you know, that's, uh, that's what it's about. A guy like that, keep himself ready and jump over the boards and make a play. Hi, Rick Tittle, 95-7 the game, San Francisco. Um, Gallant thought that the Colin Eakin was a – too harsh. It's not that there was no intent. How did you see it? Well, I haven't looked at it, you know, but but you have a guy that's obviously out cold on the ice. So you know, and if you're a referee, I mean, that's that's obviously a, a distressing sign. And you know, as far as the calls go, listen, you know, you go back through the series. There's calls that that we didn't get to that that changed games at different points. So you deal with it. We found a way to deal with it. You know, on the negative end and on the positive end tonight. All right, Mike Robertson, African American athlete. So, coach, you had the dreaded game when you guys had eight power play opportunities. You only got one. Did this make up for it? That four power play goal. I would say so. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Peter, congratulations. Thank Good you. evening. What could you say about the leadership and determination of this team? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, the leadership's. Uh, the best I've ever been around. You know, jo- Joe goes down. Joe Thornton, you know, immediately is talking to the guys. You know, let, let's get three goals here on this power play. And he actually said that. And uh, you know, we got four. So, um, you know, uh, very fortunate as a coach to be around people like that. You don't have to say a lot. You know, they're they're driving the bus. I'm sorry, Pete. Um, sorry. Did, did Joe Pavelski have to leave the building at all? Did he have to go to the hospital? Or I, I don't know. I, I don't have an update on him medically. Okay. And any also any early thoughts maybe on on Colorado on that? No, stuff? no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Jim Seaman, Santa Cruz Sentinel. Uh, Joe mentioned let's get three goals. What were your expectations on that power play? Well, you know, I I, I wanted to get one. You know, to to, to get. To feel, get some momentum to feel good, I, th- I thought we had some chances through the night. Flurry, I thought was fantastic at different points, you know, to uh, keep us off the board. I thought there were some opportunities throughout the game for us to to get some momentum and build on it. And he made some huge saves. So for me, it was just getting one and and trying to you know get a good feeling going and see what happened down the stretch. So uh, but one you know turned into two, and the momentum took over and. You know, our guys, uh, but our guys have done that all year. It's not a, uh, you know, not in that fashion, but versions of that. Coach, uh, Sharks are one in double overtime game in Vegas, and tonight here we were in overtime again. Uh, what was your thought before the overtime in the break on how comfortable you felt, and what was the yeah. discussion in the team? Well, just, hey, we, you know, 20 minutes Prior to that, we never thought we'd be in that spot, so let's take advantage of it. And I thought in the overtime we had multiple chances. I thought we were on our toes. I thought we we carried uh, big portions of the play, you know, really pushed for the goal. So I, I thought we deserved it, uh, you know, and, and the guys went out, you know, with, with that mindset that they were going to attack that overtime and, 
I thought we did. And on the flip side, the head coach of the Game 7 losing Las Vegas Golden Knights, Gerard Gallant. Ken Bolke, Vegas. Can you just give me an idea of what you saw on the call and what they explained to you on that call? They didn't say nothing to me. They they said uh, basically cross-check him across the face, and we all seen that that didn't happen. Coach, this is Mahal from INDTV USA. Uh, in the third period, when Vegas is up 3-0, should there have been a change in strategy? Because the penalty Econ took was a sloppy penalty in this kind of game when you were leading 3-0. Next question, please. Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Can you just talk about how difficult it is to, to not only lose but to lose in that fashion? Uh, you know what? Last year we were in the Stanley Cup Finals and it was tough to lose. Tonight was, was tougher than that. It really was the way we lost that hockey game. I mean... Like I said, I'm sure you've all seen it on TV. There was there was no intent. I feel awful that Joe got hurt. You know, he's a class class player for their team. I really, you know, everybody loves him. But there was no intent. There was no high stick that hit him in the face. When Stashney come out, they sort of got caught up, and he fell and banged his head in the ice. So that's the unfortunate part of it. And, you know, it was an awful call, and we all seen it. And it's too bad, that, you know, we end up losing because of that because we're in control of the hockey game. Chris Chapman, Fox Sports Radio. How frustrating is it to know that two of the biggest calls in the series went against you and it appeared that the referees kind of guessed on both of those calls? Well, I'm only worried about tonight. I mean, you know what? The referees did a, I found an unbelievable job in the series and it's, and it's a tough call tonight. I mean, obviously it was a, it's a major factor in a game, in a hockey game that, you know, San Jose came out and played well. Fleury made some unbelievable saves the first 50 minutes and it was three nothing for us. So we were a little bit fortunate to be there, but you've seen what happened after that and it's, it's a shame that's, that happened. I mean, we should be playing the next game. I'm just going to have to agree to disagree with a lot of the points that Gerard Gallant was making there, but that's how it goes when you're on the wrong end of a decision that works out not in your favor, so that's life. Now, as for the San Jose Sharks, they move on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They'll be taking on the Colorado Avalanche. Game one is going to be Friday night from the tank, and it's going to be rocking, and I expect it to be absolutely buzzing still, knowing this team can come down from a 3 nothing deficit with just about 10 minutes to play in the third period of Game 7. I, I don't know. There's nothing this team can't do, but I, it's going to be fun from here on out. I think this matchup was a lot more in the Sharks' favor against Colorado than it was against Las Vegas, even though Colorado is a fast, talented team. I think this one uh, is more in favor of the Sharks. If I had to make a prediction now, I'm saying Sharks in six. But that wraps it up for the latest edition of Morning Tide. A big thanks to Brett Hedekin uh, for sparing some of his time to talk about last night's game, which was just absolutely amazing. And a big thanks to everybody in uh, Sharks Nation, especially everybody at the tank last night. That place was unbelievably loud, and it was one of the most special sporting environments that I've ever been at. And actually, it was. It was the most special sporting event that I've ever been at. And I can only imagine what we are going to see over the remainder of these Stanley Cup playoffs as long as the Sharks are still going strong. So again, that wraps it up for Morning Tide. I can't wait to talk with you all as we get into the series against the Avs. Go Sharks!